it, this is this is melbourne like we enjoy, we like to enjoy outdoors we like our coffee we like our culture we are not the people who just staying at home and eating takeaways all the time so once this is up and over i think people will just be out and about everywhere today on dirty linen i am chatting to manpreet singh from ladyboy dining we're recording on Sunday afternoon and the Premier has not long spoken. He's given us our next steps forward for hospitality in Victoria. And it's not what, it's not what everybody wanted. It's not, it's not that everything's open. Uh, it's still going to be very tenuous for a lot of uh, restaurants to you know, make enough money, get enough business flowing through the door to break even, but it is something. And I'm feeling a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement, and that's from operators as well, as well as from people who are super keen to get back into restaurants. I definitely count myself among that number. Manpreet, I'm really grateful to have you on the show today. And first of all, welcome. Thank you, Danina. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here and thank you for the introduction and grateful for the opportunity to be here and express my views. Fantastic. Uh, let's, first of all, can you tell me a bit about Ladyboy Dining for people who don't know the business? Ladyboy Dining, a small, I'd probably say a medium-sized Thai restaurant with, a, with I think, emphasis on Thai food, but a little bit modernised, I'd say. Got a great courtyard at the back, cocktail bar at the back, and yeah, yeah, we're just doing some simple but great Thai food. And who do you run the restaurant with? Um, uh, it's my wife, so she looks after the kitchen. She's Thai. Well, except me, everyone else is Thai here. So all the staff is from Thailand. And yeah, so the, she looks after the kitchen and I look after outside. So every time you're here, you will see both of us here. Brilliant. And yeah, as you were saying, it's in Richmond. Um, so how long has the restaurant been there? The restaurant's been there about seven years. We were not the original owners. We took over, I think, five or six years ago. But we started off with another small restaurant up in Richmond as well. And then we took over Ladyboy and then, yeah, we've never looked back. Yeah, brilliant. And what's your wife's name? Uh, Somali. Somali Setang. Great. Well, yeah, it's. Um, I think your restaurant is sort of emblematic of Melbourne, you know, coming from different cultures, creating something for the community and employing a lot of people that have come from other places as well. Tell me what the pandemic has been like for you and how you guys have got through it so far. Oh, it's been, well, the first, the first lockdown was a bit more fun, I'd say. Because it, it was more, everyone was excited. Everyone was like, oh, there's a holidays for a couple of weeks and a lot more takeaways. It was more, it was more fun and because people didn't know that what's coming and what's not. And then second lockdown was a lot harder, a lot harder. And then we, we started from the first lockdown, we started implementing a few things, started on Uber Eats, started doing takeaways and deliveries, which we never did actually. And then coming into second one, we started an online platform, which I think, which you definitely know about, my Thai grocer. We we tried tried to help us, yeah, tried to help our staff, as as most of the visa holders are doing, they're cooking from home and doing what they can to survive because they are not eligible for government handouts. 
So we created a platform and we gave, we got our staff onto it and it's just more ways to get them working. That's all. That, that's what I'd say probably. So would most of your employees be visa holders from Thailand, perhaps international students? Have you got sponsored workers as well? What's the, what's the setup there? Uh, we've got, I've got one sponsored worker, which we are, we are in process of sponsoring her. She's, she's like a head chef to us. So the wife is the head chef and then she looks after the kitchen like a sous chef. And yeah, we are in the process of sponsoring her and rest all are, I think they're all students. Yeah, Thai students. So we've got like five, seven of them because they only can work 20 hours maximum. So on rotating shifts and everyone else is student here. So we try to help them as much as we can during this pandemic. So we... The other thing what we did was, yeah, as I said, my Thai grocer, and then we started doing the food to hospitals, donating food through frontline meals. So that was another, yeah, that was another way we started doing. So we at least have someone here cooking food, and then I was delivering myself. So we just tried to find ways to make them work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, my Thai grocer, from my experience, definitely worked worked for me and my family anyway. So the, so my Thai grocer, you basically give over the kitchen to your visa workers and they create food, um, create their, their curries. They're then frozen um, into really convenient blocks and uh, easy to heat up uh, and to enjoy at home. I had a few in the freezer and, you know, a couple of nights where I was like, oh, my goodness, I forgot to make dinner. Um <laughs> You know, there they were and it was great. The family was, you know, it was just like really easy to get food on the table for the family. So that was great. And at, and at the same time, you know. Yeah, that, that was kind of idea behind it. But then it was more of getting the staff to work. So if the restaurant's not open for dine-in, at least we need to get something going on so they are here and they're working. Yeah, even with the deliveries also, I had one of my bartender because he, at the moment, it's only kitchen staff and one of the girl in the front working and then my bartender, he's got nothing. So I've got him doing deliveries everywhere. So rather than me working, so he's got something to do as well. So it was just like kind of making work for them. That's that's basically the idea behind it. So anything they can do, anything they can come here and do and oh, they can just survive and they just make this pandemic pass and then we're back on it, which will be two weeks. Yeah, that's right. So what we heard today from the Premier is that Metro Melbourne from Monday, November 2 is allowed to open with restrictions. So up to 20 people inside, but only 10 in each dining space. So for a lot of restaurants, that will be, they'll only be able to do up to 10 and then up to 50 outside with um, the density rules that we're getting pretty used to. Um, So that's one person per four square metres inside and one person per per two square metres outside, so that's a little bit different for Melbourne. Regional dining um, can now increase capacity to 70 outside and 40 inside, but again, only 10 people per dining space. So those rules, although it sounds kind of good that you can have 40 people inside, of course, if you don't have four rooms for them to be in, uh, then you can't um, reach that diner limit. And I imagine that may work for some regional pubs and for some, yeah, I guess, multi, multi-streamed multi venues, but for a lot of independent restaurants, it doesn't really mean that much. But what for you, Manpreet, and at Ladyboy, tell me about how the news sits with you. 
we are happy and excited. We are one of the lucky ones as a restaurant. We've got a small dining area in the front, which we will happily seat about 15 people if we spread the tables out. And then we've got a courtyard at the back, which is open courtyard, open courtyard and cocktail bar. So I can fit another 20 people at the back. Okay, great. So inside, unless it's, unless it's two rooms, you can only have 10 people. Yes, yes. We've got, we've got a divider between the front and the back. So we, we are lucky in that sense. We are lucky in that sense. Even, even last time when we opened for a couple of weeks and we could fit 20 in the front and 20 at the back including outdoor area okay so we're, we're one of the yeah we're one of the lucky ones that we have this setup from the start so we can utilize what we have wow i'm i'm really happy to hear that and i'm happy to hear that you know you're excited and looking forward to gearing up and going again do, do you have a sense <laughs> do you have a sense of um what percentage of your normal trade this means definitely about 50 percent of what we usually do okay but it's still better than better than most small restaurants, which only have little space, and then better than doing nothing and just doing takeaways. Sure. So do you think you'll um, continue going with My Thai Grocer and the other takeaways, or will you try to transition just back to Ladyboy? No, no, we will continue doing the takeaway because that, that My Thai Grocer was to get the staff to do something. And it's all about them doing, it's it's the kitchen chefs coming in the morning doing this stuff and then my bartenders delivering the food. So I'm not really involved. I've just created something for them to do something about it or make it work. And then it's 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 just going to be them. And the order comes in. If so, we've had plenty of orders through you, Danny. Thanks to you for that. Oh, that's good to and, know. Yeah, because... No, because every time we go and I even tell my staff to ask how they know about us. And there's plenty. There's plenty from Danny, Danny, Danny. And we're, we're very grateful. We're oh. very grateful. Well, that's funny because, yeah, you never know if anyone reads anything you do, but that's great. Good to hear. Um, so if the staff want to keep going with that, then you'll just let them keep going with it. If it, if it works for them then and if it can fit into the, fit into the kitchen uh, scheduling, then it's all fine for them to keep going. Yes, definitely, definitely, which which I think they will because I've just spoken to them a couple of days ago and they were fine to do it at any time because the deliveries are, I think, a couple of days a week and they're organising themselves what day and what who's doing what and whatever comes in, they just look after themselves for that. Mm. So one of the things that comes up for people with these restrictions is how are they going to manage bookings? How are they going to manage payments? How are they going to communicate the rules to customers? What are your strategies around all that? We learned from the very first time, we started doing a couple of seating, so two-hour seating. It's a little bit hard on the customer perspective, but it's manageable. We never did seatings and everything in the last five, seven years of us operating. But this time we did, and it was, it was, it was a little bit hard, but it's okay. It's okay. Most of the customers, they come in, they understand but we have some who don't really want to go, but then you have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, some of those conversations could get a little bit tricky at times, I imagine. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. We had, we had people, you've got to tell them like five times and they're still enjoying their food, enjoying their wine until we literally have to clear the table without asking them. 
Wow. So it's it's. <laughs> but we we have everything. Everyone's been yeah. It's it's hard, but it's 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 okay. It's it's hard, but it's manageable. Yeah, I think one of the because everyone knows everyone's in it together. Hmm. Yeah, we definitely have to remember that. And I think one of the things that has been so challenging for people in hospitality is that you are put into a situation where you have to do things that don't quite feel hospitable and it is like like turfing people out. Like, you know, you know, you'll, people won't be able to stand up and talk to their friends at the next table. They won't be able to jump up and order a drink at the bar. I think all those things like all, policing all those rules must be very challenging and I think probably exhausting for you as a business owner <laughs> yes oh it's it, it's hard because sometimes the people come in like one we had one instance because we were only allowed maximum six on a table and it was a group of I think it was group of eight and we had to put two tables separate to each other and they really didn't want to do it and then it took us like 10 minutes to tell them why we have to do it. and I was like of course, you read news. Of course, you know everything. And so you have that little small percentage of people who still do things like this, but most of them are understandable and they're, they're happy to with what's happening. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really hope that now that we've been through this second lockdown together as a city that we will be all so grateful to be back in restaurants. And, of course, if people understand that there are restrictions. We've all been living under them and I suppose different rules mean more to different people. I think when we're so um, so embedded in the hospitality industry, you think everybody's obsessing over four square metres and all that stuff. But, of course, um, perhaps they aren't. So, yeah, communication is really important, isn't it? Yes, true, true, true. Now, but as, as I said, 95%, uh, I'd probably say 98% of the people, they're understandable, they they acknowledge what's happening around them and they're, they're fine, they're fine, yes. That's good. Another another topic for a lot of restaurant owners is, uh, is bookings and taking credit card details at the time of bookings. Is that something that you have considered? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. We we thought of that to take credit card bookings, and then but we didn't. But we didn't because I think it was it would be hard to manage for us. There was it'd be another thing adding on to it, and then we didn't had a lot of cancellations and stuff. So we were we were like, oh, it's 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 okay until if we can, yeah, until we can manage without it, we'll do it. If we it's getting hard and people are canceling a lot then we probably go that way. But what we do is instead of doing that, we try to confirm. Like we confirm once the reservation comes in, someone literally calling them and confirming. And then we confirm again on the day that oh, you've got a table book at this time, still the same numbers, and you guys are coming at 6 to 8 or whatever the time frame is. So we confirm on the day as well. Mm, so again, it's about that communication. Um, so let's talk a bit about Richmond and you're on Bridge Road. It's, I mean, Bridge Road, is, it's so Richmond, it's, you know, next to the city, it's an inner, inner eastern suburb. Um, Bridge Road is a bit of a funny strip, isn't it? Like it hasn't, it, it's had its ups and downs over the years and I'd say, you know, it, it even though we've heard so much about the city and about, you know, the difficulties of the CBD, I would say it's, you know, some suburbs are also doing it really tough and it's going to be hard to get back. You know, retail's always been so important for Bridge Road. How are you feeling about Richmond and about Bridge Road particularly? 
Oh, it, it has changed a lot from what I what we've seen in the last five years or so. It used to be a lot more shops and a lot more retail, I'd say. And then now it's more hospitality, a lot more restaurants and stuff. So it has changed a lot. It has changed a lot. And it's gone a bit. I think people have, it's, it's just the, I guess you can say every eight, ten years or so, the things change. It's just one of those things. It used to be all retail everywhere, and then now it's changed to all restaurants and apartments and everything. So it's 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 slightly, I'd say it's gone a bit quieter, but it's it's good. It's good. We, we we're still very lucky to be in Richmond, and the community here it's it's massive, and they support all the restaurants here, and we we're lucky to be here, to be frank. Ah, oh, that's good. So how do you feel about, you know, the prospects for your restaurant coming out the other side of all this? Do you feel optimistic? Do you feel worried? Like what are, what are the things on your mind? Oh, no, no, I stay, I stay as positive as I can. <laughs> I stay as positive as I can. No, it will be fine. We will be here We're doing takeaways and everything. We, We've been here. We've been here for long. A lot of community people, like the neighbors and everyone, everyone knows me by name, and we will be fine. I'm, I'm very positive. That's good to hear. Um, and what about Melbourne as a city? You know, what what do you think that the future is for for Melbourne and dining and and the all the restaurants that we love? It'll be hard for hard for some. Definitely, definitely be hard for some. But I, again, I said, if, I, if I'm being very positive, I think it will all come back and it, it, it will all come back for everyone. It, this, is, this is Melbourne. Like we, enjoy, we like to enjoy outdoors. We like our coffee. We like our culture. We are not the people who are just staying at home and eating takeaways all the time. So once this is up and over, I think people will just be out and about everywhere. And hopefully they keep their distances apart and everything so we don't have to go into lockdown again. That's the only thing I worry about. Yeah. Well, what what particularly worries you about? Is it that people won't take it seriously anymore or what worries you? Even still got two weeks to go to open. And with Uncle Dan, you never know what he's going to do. So with the cases, yesterday was one, today is two. And if the cases go up and down, we were still, so I'm optimistic, but I'm still not 100%. And with the grand final coming as well, there's going to be, oh, hopefully there's not going to be a lot more parties and everything, but you never know. Right. So you'll believe it when the day is here and you've got the door open and customers sitting down. Yes. <laughs> I am preparing for it. We've started preparing. We've got the staff coming in to do massive cleanup and everything. But until we're open, we're still not open. Mm, okay. Well, it's probably a wise position, I guess. There's been so many changes and so much uncertainty. You might as well only believe the things that are exactly in front of your <laughs> in front of your hand to see. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not going to be tomorrow. It's another two weeks to go. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm optimistic, but I'm not I'm not hundred percent there. Okay. And um just tracking back a bit, Manpreet, like why did you and Sumali decide to open a restaurant? Oh, Danny, we we've been in hospitality for over ten, fifteen years. We met each other in Melbourne and we were studying cookery at Box Hill Tafe. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's that's where we met. And then I've I've worked over 10, 15 years in hospitality as a chef and same as her. She's done cooking all her life. And it was just one day we just decided, oh, let's try our own. And how, how did you decide? I've worked in pubs. I've worked in restaurants. The very last, my position was the Duke of Wellington in the, in the city. I was a chef there and Somali, Somali was in MCG doing catering and stuff. And then we started, well, it was just a, I guess there was a bit of push from one of my colleagues as well. And then we started cooking at home and then we were like, oh, let's try this. Let's try that. And because she's, she's Thai, but it was not, we were not 100% sure that we can do a Thai restaurant or not. So we tried manipulating the recipes a little bit. With that, I'd say we're authentic Thai, but there's a bit of mix and match in there, if that makes sense. So it's like when, yeah, it's, it's like when I came up with, the, our biggest seller is Masaman curry, the lamb shank Masaman curry. And I, I still remember back in the days when I was telling her, let's do lamb, because I used to do a lot of lamb shanks in the pub. And she's like, oh, we don't eat lamb shank in Thailand. That's not Thai dish. Right. I'm like, that's why we do it, because it's not Thai dish. And that was, that was the exact conversation. And we started creating dishes like this and we get friends over at home and just to see their reaction. Okay. That's so Melbourne, don't you reckon? Yes. Because <laughs> your background is Indian, right? Yes. So, well, I, I'm, I'm um, terrible in Indian. <laughs> are you? <laughs> well, I was going to ask, like, why, when you've got an, an Indian man and a Thai woman, why does Thai food win? Why don't you open an Indian restaurant? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm terrible in Indian. I always had dream of opening a fine Indian thing. It will happen eventually. But I always had dreamed of one Indian restaurant. It will happen eventually, but not yet. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not big in cooking Indian food. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, and then we had we had Somali's mum living here with us as well, so we could see what she's cooking, and then we tried to copy from her a bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it it, it all came about while sitting at home and cooking. I'd say. Right. I love it. So. And would you say that, uh, who are your customers? Is it, um, yeah, do you have Thai people? Do you have, is it just like Anglos? Like who who comes? Oh, I'd say not many Thai people, not many Asians, because the food is not to the palate of Asian people, I'd say, because it's not as heavy on chili and all. Yeah. And I'd, I'd it's not, yeah, so not a lot of Asian people, not a lot of Asian people, but a lot of regular customers. Yeah. A lot of regular customers, people, we, yeah, yeah, it's all, say, more Anglo, more white than Asians. A lot of Indians, a lot of Indians come for some reason. <laughs> really? Not my friends, though. <laughs> yes, yes, not, not my friends, though, but yeah, we get a lot of Indians. Right. So, which, which is good, which is good. That's so interesting. Yeah, I just love that. It, to me, it just seems like, yeah, such a such a Melbourne story that you meet studying cookery in Melbourne. You have a little, yeah, cuisine battle and um, just, uh, yeah, mix mix and match and create something that's really individual. So I'm not surprised that you've got such a strong following. <laughs> we, 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 we always try to do things which which is weird, which is weird. I've got, I've got another one. We've... 
we had it on the menu we took it off and then we are planning to put back on in the in the summer because there's there's few dishes we, we got few dishes on the menu which never go away because we tried to change the menu and then we had complaints that oh i came to order that where's my dish okay right yeah so there's there's few dishes which never go away but there's few things which we change seasonally and the my favorite salad would be a smoked duck salad the only variation we do which i love is caramelized popcorns oh that sounds that sounds great yeah it's it's more of a variation of a thai herb salad like a smoked chicken salad yeah yeah we use smoked we we smoked duck with some tea leaves and then we add some caramelized popcorns to it and it's just delicious cuz it's spicy and the sweetness from popcorn it just it just comes together but it's not thai so again it's that, that that's what i mean it's more mix and match than traditional thai yeah uh you know as you're talking about the food i'm seeing myself sitting in a restaurant eating it and i realize i, I it's like i'm sit, i'm imagining you're describing the specials to me and i'm trying to decide what i want to order and i you know what i've realized is that when i'm allowed to go back to restaurants i'm going to have such bad menu anxiety because i want to i'm going to want to order the perfect meal every single time uh because every meal is going to be golden uh but yeah it just gets me more and more excited about the possibility of being back in melbourne restaurants in a couple of weeks um manpreet it's uh so great to talk to you thank you for reading the specials to me and telling us about the ladyboy journey through the pandemic i really wish you all the very best of luck in getting the restaurant ready and um yeah we will all believe it when we see it but i reckon we will see it on november 2 um uh, yeah Well done on everything that you've done so far and good luck for the summer to come. Thank you. Thank you Danny. Thanks for giving me opportunity again and yeah, we will probably see you and your colleagues here at Ladyboy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen@deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at dirtylinenpodcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.